Hello and welcome back to the Bull and Bear Crypto Podcast. My name is James Gore and we're going to be asking the question or posing the question, can Ethereum flip Bitcoin this market cycle? Going to give you some arguments for and against and whether or not you should even care. We're also going to be covering some news from the past couple of days in the space that's have been that's been relatively interesting. But before we do, I know it's the podcast version of uh, this series, so a lot of you are actually listening via the audio platforms like Spotify and iTunes. It's crucial that you guys head on over to the YouTube channel, okay? So Bull and Bear Crypto on YouTube um or youtube.com forward slash c bullion bear crypto because i've i'm releasing about four or five videos a day that i'm just not uploading to the audio platforms with trade setups and cryptocurrency analysis and i'm getting amazing feedback already a lot of people are uh, doing really well off the back of it okay so just to quickly go over some some coins as well i've done well uh, did TA on uh, VeChain six days ago, it broke out yesterday. Did TA on Sol five days ago, it broke out a couple of days later. HBAR, I did TA on. I mean, these entries that I've done for a lot of these coins, like uh, FTX token, um, it's been, they've been pretty good. So a lot of people are taking advantage. I recommend you do head on over there. And if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you do like this video, subscribe and hit the notification bell because I also received the message that... Um, you know, a lot of you aren't seeing my video updates, even with the bell icon on. And and I did get a message from a subscriber saying that to solve this, you turn it off and then back on again and then hit all. And then you'll start getting those notifications if you do have the bell on. So let's just quickly jump into, uh, you know, what, what my feelings are regarding Bitcoin and Ethereum, because there's been a lot of uh, back and forth in the space again this market cycle that Ethereum could flip Bitcoin and become the dominant cryptocurrency in this space. And there's a lot of tribalism online, especially on Twitter. I'm unplugged from Twitter at the moment. I do have videos automatically post up there, which I do recommend if you want to kind of make sure you do stay up to date with what I'm releasing. I'm purely just posting um, videos up there directly from YouTube. It's automatic. So it means you, you will never miss out if you are on multiple, you know, following on multiple platforms. But there's a lot of tribalism on there and a lot of people are financially invested in the outcome or success with their particular strategy. Okay. So the best, so my advice to you, and this is, this is advice, but this isn't financial advice. This is advice, but not financial advice is to take a step back and think about what are your objectives in participating in the crypto space. Okay. If your objective is to have a particular project be the most dominant project, then you should be working for that project in some way. You should be the founder of the project. For me personally, um, my my goal is to take advantage of something that is providing a serious amount of yield that is you can't find anywhere else. It's an extremely forgiving market to trade and invest in that is that is probably the most free market we have available to us that is also very democratic in terms of getting in early in a project success you know if we look at facebook if we look at amazon we look at you know a lot of these companies that that even coinbase itself right coinbase right uh you know if if we wanted to invest in coinbase we couldn't you know most people you'd have to be an angel investor but if you want to invest in cryptocurrencies you know, we have projects that are, have that underlying technology, that unique value prop that, you know, maybe shit based on our own judgment or maybe amazing, depending on the research and, and you know, it all, all depends on us, really. And we have the ability to make money from it. 
my advice to you guys is to be completely coin agnostic. It doesn't matter if Ethereum can flip Bitcoin. I'll get to that in a second and see what the charts are saying and some evidence for and against. But it doesn't matter if your goal is to make money. Okay, it really doesn't. What what should be matter what should matter the most to you is are you making money? If trading, if that's your goal, okay, uh, operating this space, which I think most of us it is. Okay, that's why we're here. Now, um. Some of the argument is that Ethereum would be a better investment versus Bitcoin because you'll make more money. Okay. And I have to say, you know, there is a certain benefit to this mentality, not that Ethereum could be a better investment, but the sprint mentality that, you know, this space is only going to be providing, you know, dramatically like significant amounts of yield compared to other spaces like stocks. Uh, especially not bonds, but just commodities, for example, any or, or you know, investing in the property markets or whatever, whatever your goal is, um, and that we're going to start seeing diminishing returns compared to the early years. And it's true, you know, it's inevitable. You know, if we look at the history of BTC, you know, when was, you know, if you look, if, you, if you're getting in, at, you know, <laughs> let's use this chart right here. If, if you're getting in and Bitcoin, you know, at, you know, sub 10, 10, you know, 10 cents, 45 cents. It only took a few years, you know, five, five years, 20, um, let's see what the percentage gain is, you know, 30,000% gain, you know, to get it to a thousand dollars, you know, only took five years in five years time. We're not going to see a 35%, uh, uh, 35,000% gain with BTC, are we? Okay. So, See, the law of diminishing returns, which is absolutely fine because it's built into, you know, Bitcoin and it's it's a monetary policy um, that it will become more and more stable as time goes on. So less volatility is built into it, but still be harder the money than anything else that exists. That's the thing. Um, but, you know, if the name of the game is to make money, does it really matter how fast you are? You know, I think there's a lot of media that gets released in this space, guys, that's like, um, like I saw something today, which is amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, this kid um, that's from London, actually, which is where I'm from. This kid made four hundred thousand dollars in uh, NFTs by creating his like uh, his own NFT uh, um, uh, NFTs, NFTs online as like a like practice experiments, um, which is really cool. But I can imagine that some people are seeing people making money really quickly, or seeing these big numbers being thrown around and thinking they need to do more and that you need constantly need to do more constantly need to do more constantly need to do more it's a trap because if you're making money doing you know i'm not saying don't pursue more but but there is again uh, a bit of a trap here but if you're making money you're doing well that's all that matters are you making money consistently are you preserving capital when you do make money um and does it really matter how you do so as long as you are not really it doesn't if you, if your goal is to make money it doesn't matter what coin is going to flip what coin it doesn't matter you know which project's the best forget the tribalism just focus on the, on the on the long the long-term goal okay but let's take a look at the, the f versus btc chart okay because you know there's more to um the, you know ethereum flipping bitcoin than just the fbtc chart obviously there's a market uh, total supply and Quite a few other things I haven't I haven't actually taken a look at. Uh, or no, not I haven't taken a look at, but I won't take a look at now. So FBTC. So if I was to say, well, based on this chart, okay, it would have been better to invest in Ethereum this market cycle versus Bitcoin and be an ob- objectively true 
statement based on the price history because FBTC, F has been more dominant. So it's, so it's saying that if you were investing in Ethereum, you'd be making more money than Bitcoin. However, if you, if you were investing in Bitcoin, would you be making more money than investing in any other, any other markets around? Yes. If you were going down the traditional route, savings account yields nothing. Stock markets um, do, yield, do yield something, but not as much as crypto space. If you're going to go to the financial advisor, their objective is to get you 5 to 10% yield at the end of the year, okay, on average, on average. So there's not a better space to be to be making money. And the thing is, as I'm sure a lot of you, it's very exciting, it's new, um, and it's not just... You know these i'll be honest i'm not really interested in any any of the stock market anymore it's kind of boring to me all the all the you know future of finance and all the technologies coming out right now is in crypto it's from, coming from the cryptocurrency space and it's clearly clearly going to be the future so revolutionary technology right here but if we look at the f versus btc chart right what we're seeing is for ethereum to actually have been a worthwhile investment and uh outpace bitcoin this market cycle we would need it to break past the all-time high otherwise the most which is at uh 0.15 otherwise it all comes down to timing okay because anyone you know anyone can say yeah um it made more sense to invest in ethereum right before it pumps versus btc but we're talking about more of a long-term perspective right here so if, if it can't break above Bitcoin's all-time high. So this is F versus BTC. Then the flip, the flipping isn't happening. Okay, it's not flipping. Ethereum's not flipping Bitcoin. Okay, that's just a fact. Okay, so let's take a quick look at stock to flow model. Okay, and if you aren't aware of the stock to flow model, it's a, it's the best model we have for Bitcoin's price trajectory uh, versus time. Okay, it's made by Plan B, and it's not a perfect model. There are no perfect models. I'm sure many of you guys know this about stock to flow, and that it exists, but it's it's one of the best models we have in terms of understanding trajectory and timings. So again, I'm coming down. What I want to emphasize here, my advice right now before I jump into the news is just taking a step back and zooming out. Okay. If you discovered cryptocurrency space today and, and were, you know, living in the cave or you're in a coma and you woke up and today you discovered crypto and then someone told you, look at Bitcoin and look at the stock to flow model. People, you know, based on what I'm seeing online, a lot of people are thinking that Bitcoin um, isn't worth investing in anymore because um, there's a bunch of other cryptocurrencies that are going to provide yield, much more significant yield that just make more sense. What, but what if you were completely fresh to this space? Well, what would you want? You would something that's probably going to be the most reliable thing that's going to net you a, a return. What's the most reliable thing? Because remember, guys, we're still in an echo chamber right here. Crypto could go to zero, okay? Not all of crypto, but a lot of the projects can really just fall out the sky. It is the most volatile space. And as traders and investors, we do play with that volatility because that's where we're getting our yield from. We get our yield from the volatility. If crypto was flat and barely moving, great, cool. Um, we could trade with leverage and that's where that's where leverage comes into play. Um, that's in some respects because it just means that we can have larger position sizes. And it means that you can trade large positions, but offset kind of some of the risk. That's kind of what, you know, how people play Forex. Um, but if, if if you were completely fresh to this space, you'd want something that is the most likely thing to net you a return that makes any kind of significant sense, okay? And if you take a step back and zoom out a bit, looking at the stock to flow model, you know, it, it's the 2nd of September now, the next halving is expected at the 3rd of May, 
okay 2024 that's less than three years guys less than three years time okay less than three years can you invest and wait to invest in in just in something for for three years it's it, you know with you know it's it's like if we just remove our expectations a bit with this space because it is a very fast paced space that is the most secure bet you can make it's the most asymmetrical bet you can make is to just invest in bitcoin it, it, it other than anything else and not worry about the rest of the space and you would be doing fine you'd be doing amazingly well compared to everything else okay so after the halving there's an expectation that bitcoin's going to 10x okay so again this is it's, it's so ridiculous that this this is exists but we are so lucky to be able to participate in this space it's like the digital gold rush right now it's like a digital gold rush 2.0 compared to you know the facebook's twitter's blah, blah blah the angel investors and it's open to everyone okay so if you know if we're looking at, at this chart and of course, obviously this is just a model all models can break no model is perfect but purely looking at the stock to flow model which is the most reliable model we have we're on tr on track for bitcoin to 10x after the next halving okay so wouldn't it make sense that you know you'd invest in bitcoin if, if it's more reliable and and you know what Yes, it would. It really would, in my opinion. Okay, that's not financial advice, but that you know, my, my advice was to just take a step back and think about things. But you know, obviously, that's not. This isn't financial advice, but just kind of paying attention to, you know, just mindset when approaching the space. And the next thing I'd say is, who here only invests in one cryptocurrency? Nobody. Nobody. I know Bitcoin maximalists that are like vehement advocates of just btc only that have stores of ethereum okay because it's a hedge okay and or they've had ethereum from the early days before they became a complete maxi okay or people that completely saying that ethereum is going to flip bitcoin okay but they still have bitcoin okay so people are saying things but i guarantee you they have they, they don't just have one cryptocurrency or a basket of cryptocurrencies and not a basket of other cryptocurrencies they have some bitcoin they have some ethereum so it makes sense to have a portion of Bitcoin, a portion of Ethereum, and a portion of whatever ever else you want, okay? But make sure that it's weighted mostly to Bitcoin and Ethereum if you want to just kind of have a hands-off approach because those are the, the most safest bets in this space regardless, okay? So if you want to play this game on easy mode, can if you, like, if you, if you just wanted to make money from this space on easy mode, okay? All you need, would need to do is just say, hey, I'm going to invest... Uh, X amount out of my the money I get each month, the money I make each month, and I'm gonna invest, you know, 50% in Bitcoin, 50% in Ethereum, and then just not say it or do anything for the next five years. That's that's a very simple strategy, and that would that would do you very well, okay, based on the models we have. Okay. If you're more of a trader and you want to get more yield, then you have to be more active. If you want, if you love this space and you, you know, you just want to you want to get more yield and you can go deeper and research. You can look at some of the other smaller projects. You can look at NFTs if that interests you. I'd say follow your interests within this space, but you know, this 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 is a very forgiving space and it's not always going to stay that way, guys, especially when we get things like ETFs, um, which is inevitability and the, the market matures, it's going to get harder because then we're going to have some real, um, some a, a lot of regulatory overreach is going to make it harder for the average person to participate in these markets to, with any effect effectiveness it's still a bit like the wild wild west um but um you know those days are coming but they're not here yet okay 
So we're going to move on to the news. I hope I hope you found that a bit interesting. We're going to move on to the news and smash through this very quickly. Okay, so talking about regulate regulatory pressures. So most Europeans want local governments to regulate crypto, not the EU. Says a survey. So. So a survey conducted among 30,000 participants from 12 different countries, all part of the EU, revealed that the vast majority, around 60%, would want their own authorities to regulate cryptocurrencies. On the other hand, roughly 25% believe that the EU would serve as a better watchdog. Taking a closer look, the residents of the Netherlands and those of Estonia are the biggest supporters of their own governments, with respectively 76 and 70% based Netherlands and Estonia. I have to say that I think there's a strong push for more localized government, which makes complete sense, wouldn't it? You know, how can you say that they're going to have an over, you know, an overreaching, um, just look at the policies in the EU already, how some countries have suffered and some countries have benefited from their policies. It's very difficult to make one single ruling policy for a, for, for a broad amount of countries and expect them to all benefit. There's going to be people that are going to suffer from those policies and some people that benefit. So it makes more sense to have local governments and, lo and, and um, local governments kind of uh, propose um you know what what regulations would make sense and then the people to kind of petition or or get involved in their local politics to kind of say to the local government well actually we would like this um because it, it would be better for us and i'd say that the people that are actually on the ground living in these cities and countries probably know better what's best for themselves um in terms of their interests surrounding this okay so i say that generally but obviously you know there needs to be some some kind of uh, some kind of broad, broader consideration as well with the global regulatory landscape, but you know this this sounds like I'm advocate for small governments and I'm, I do try to avoid politics as much as possible. But regulations are unavoidable, inescapable. I think that it's best that you know the good thing about not having the EU uh, dictate what the regulations are going to be for the cryptocurrency space is that there's going to be arbitrage in those countries that are based in EU if it's more based on local government because it means that businesses that are suffering or would suffer from uh, like a broad sweeping decree um, if it's something that's more local in this particular country then it means they can just you know uproot and move okay so it's much more easy to do that within the EU if because the EU uh, laws regarding businesses moving is, is, is easier versus country to country but there is a strong pressure here to, to kind of get regulations out. Anyway, moving on. So MetaMask celebrates 10 million monthly active users. That's an 1800% yearly growth. That is insane. MetaMask is, is, is obviously one of the most useful tools uh, in terms of interacting with uh, the Ethereum blockchain. I think some other block blockchains as well. And it makes complete sense that I covered in my last podcast that they were speaking about the consideration to have their own cryptocurrency well if they wanted to make money obviously someone someone at metamask or this group of people at metamask are working and thinking well we've seen all this growth i'm sure there's a way to monetize this growth even further and we can make some even more money and you know i'm i'm happy that one of the quotes that came out mentioned that one of the you know one of the chaps over at MetaMask was saying, if there's actually a valuable use case, then it make, that would make sense. And yes, we would release a cryptocurrency, but until then, then we're not going to do so. But there is some pressure from inside that they think they should. Um, but this is this is exceptional. And this growth is actually a really good indicator to kind of pay attention to because it lets you know um, what's pushing the market because an 18,000, 1800% growth 
on MetaMask is indicating that it's things that interact with uh, ERC20 tokens and, a bit and Ethereum blockchain. So, you know, it's, it's telling us DeFi is booming still, NFTs are booming still, and that there's a lot of action going on um, on those, on those, uh, in those sectors within crypto. So very worth paying attention to because it lets us, you know, signs like this is that it's telling us that we're still in a very strong territory, whereas some people have been thinking that, you know, DeFi is cooling off um, last couple of months, but, you know, it's clearly not the case. Anyway, moving on. Talking about Cardano, Charles Hoskinson, a controversial figure in the cryptocurrency space, to say the least. Um, he's he's saying he can see a, a potential collaboration between Cardano and Solana. So let's quickly go to uh, his comments regarding a recent uh, from a recent MMA um, on potential to work with Sol. So uh, Hoskinson said in a recent MMA that Solana te Solana's team had reached out to him and shared several links about the project. He says, I noticed Solana's been getting a lot of adoption and it's been getting a lot of buzz and talk and it's certainly performing well in the markets. Whenever that occurs, I always take a step back and say, ah, okay, who are these guys? And I'm generally curious. He says um, on whether or not they could collaborate with the, uh, between projects. He says, um, at the communities, at the center of every community is, is the center, sorry, community is at the center of every decision-making and they can collaborate with Solana if they choose to, he said. If there was such a thing, it'd have to be broken down to either an area of economic collaboration, an area of engineering collaboration, an area of scientific collaboration. Lana's price can be expected to get even more steam over the next few weeks if the ex these expectations are met. Well, they're not going to happen overnight, so I don't know why this article is saying that, but um, but it's promising because this is this is, and if you've been following the channel since 2017, then you know I've mentioned that in, many times that interoperability is going to be a thing that's going to be like the next next thing that's going to really push the space forward because you know the underlying technology is going to bleed into every single sector outside of crypto and i'm going to get the cryptocurrency version of that sector and get the programmable money and underlying asset version of that sector so for example art has moved into crypto with programmable art okay um with nfts so you know that when once we've kind of bled into all sectors interoperability is going to be crucial. Now, this is going to be happening alongside, but interoperability is going to be crucial because it means that all net, having the most major cryptocurrency networks being able to communicate, communicate and interact just makes things smoother. And just means that we have a network of networks. So, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of what the future holds for us. And it's going to be very good. And from a trading investing perspective, you know, it means you can trust that products like Cardano, trust like products like Sol, if they keep to their game plan and they actually deliver what they're looking to de looking to deliver, are going to have some kind of future in this space beyond a four-year, five-year market cycle. Good thing with some of these projects is they've already survived, but if we're, if we're purely talking about yield, you know, it's hard to argue that a lot of these products lose value versus Bitcoin. Let's just quickly look at the Ada versus BTC chart just to demonstrate that. Take a quick looky look. Oh, wow. I haven't checked in on this one for a while. Um, wow. 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 Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, Cardano's still yet to break above its all-time high versus BTC back in January of 2018. Okay, when it does, then yeah, it would, would have been a worthwhile uh, investment, so to speak. But uh, the best time to buy Cardano was clearly, you know, post-2018, um, November 2018 and on onwards started bottoming up started investing in that project 
and it would have been a nice uptrend versus BTC. So I'm totally, purely talking about acquiring BTC in that, in that instance, but it's looking pretty good. Anyway, so chain analysis report comes out and it's in it's giving us an insight into where most cryptocurrency scams are happening okay based on this result report and you know one of the biggest 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 things we've um, heard from you know the western regulatory space is that cryptocurrency is a hotbed of um crime and uh terrorism and um i'm probably this video is probably gonna get uh algorithmed because i said the t word but it's true um and all all the things that are bad in the world are happening over in the crypto space because it's facilitating the transfer of money and we need to stop it and we need to regulate it well it's interesting looking at this chain analysis report it lets us know where most of this is happening so very low on the list very very low on the list is eastern asia and it's north america okay top of the list is Africa, Eastern Europe, and Latin America. Okay. So, you know, when he's, when he's, you know, leaders in the West are saying, oh, we need to uh, do X, Y, Z because it's, because it's really crushing. Um, you know, it's where, it's where all the crime is happening, blah, blah, blah. Well, why do you really care if it's, if it's not happening in your country, if you're a leader of a particular current, a particular country, uh, and it's not affecting you. And by the way, this report is showing the origin of funds and the destination of funds. Okay. And it's Africa. It's, a, it's almost identical the, the same, that country, Eastern Europe's almost identically the same. So in some instances, the destination funds isn't even as high as origin funds. So what, what it's telling us is that, you know, and we already know this guys, we already know this has been research released by chain analysis firms taught, saying that the amount of, uh, the amount of um, the percentage of cryptocurrency transactions that are actually used for criminal activities is uh, less than like 2% or something, which is so something crazy, okay? So it's, it's completely ridiculous. So when you s see a strong push for regulations, it's not because of, it's not because of the reasons they're telling you based on the evidence that's presented by us, you know? You know, so, you know, this is, obviously scams are just one dimension of things. And, you know, there's other things like, uh, money laundering and and terrorist financing that they that they say is one you know one of the reasons we should care. Um, again, the evidence just isn't there. So anyway, last two pieces of news: the SEC sues BitConnect founder in latest legal filing. So BitConnect, how I mean, twenty sixteen. <laughs> It connects from 2016, guys, and it, and you know it kind of collapsed in 2018. Um, still yet to kind of have played out. So this is how long these things take. It's 2021 now, three years ago before BitConnect kind of collapsed, and you know there's complete fallout. Um, it's probably going to be another three years before anything actually happens. Let's be fair, but this is just the time it takes. In that time, you know. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous because it's the SEC. So if you're kind of want to compare this to what's happening with XRP and Rip, the Ripple Ripple Foundation, um, let's just assume with Ripple that the worst was going to happen and they got some negative filing, they got sued, blah 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 blah. Well, how long would it take before there be any kind of negative consequences? You know, the market would probably take a hit, but it would cover. Okay, which would always happen. And it just means that people that are interested in investing in XRP would take that as an opportunity to get more XRP. And people that were trading XRP would play the volatility. So any, everyone wins. People that are 
pretty much in that in short term, long term. And then it'll just be business as usual. Um, and there's been such a swelling uproar from uh, the XRP community that that the SEC are kind of on the back foot at the moment, especially with the approach that the XRP uh, litigate, litigation team has kind of had. They've been very aggressive. So it seems like comparing the timelines of how things will play out, worst case scenario for XRP, you know, it'll probably take another three years or something stupid before we get anything reasonable happening other than just news. So there'll be no, there'll be no concrete end to that for quite some time. Um, so that's just the reality of how things work. Last piece of news, billionaire hedge fund manager says crypto's limited supply or nothing with unlimited downside. I love that headline. Fantastic headline. So let's go to his quotes and his comments on, on the crypto, because I think it's really important because it's always good to get an idea um, of what people are saying about this space, who sits out of this space, and then kind of see their position and then see if our position changes off the back of that. So veteran hedge fund manager John Paulson says he's not a believer in crypto and that the digital asset markets offer no value except a limited supply. In an interview with fellow billionaire investor David Rubenstein, Paulson says cryptocurrencies are a bubble with little to no intrinsic value. No, I'm not a believer in cryptocurrencies in that I would say that cryptocurrencies are a bubble and I would describe cryptocurrencies as a limited supply of nothing. So to the extent there's more demand than limited supply, the price will go up. But to the extent that demand falls and then the price will go down, there's no intrinsic value to any of the cryptocurrencies except that there's a limited amount. Okay, so let's compare this to other marketplaces, okay? Because this is key. Commodities, okay? Do the underlying commodities actually make uh yield a return yield money so if you're holding if you if you were to hold the commodity would you get any kind of uh yield uh or return so talking about is there someone working that's uh or a business no that is going to return money so for example i'm talking about i'm comparing this to dividends basically because this is the this is the most comparable thing i can think that to compare this to because if you're holding if you're holding um a stock that provides a dividend, then you're getting um, uh, basically a share of the profits that company makes. But underlying stock is meant to be a representation of the value of that company, and the value of that company is based on how much money it can make, and the you know liabilities against that company versus you know what potential profit upside they could be, and then the then the free market's meant to determine the actual value of that, and it trades at the back of that. But the dividend would be uh, basically a percentage of the profits. Uh, speaking great generalities here to compare this to commodities and cryptocurrencies. And he's talking about intrinsic value. Well, does 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 wood have intrinsic value? It has value because we use wood, because people need wood. This year, there was a strong uh, supply shock to wood because of what's been happening around the world. And the cost of wood went up. Okay, obviously that's what would happen, but it's because there's a there's a limited supply. Now we don't have access to complete supply, but it's it's very hard to say how much wood there is on the planet. But there is a finite amount today, currently, if we were just going to suck up all the wood in the world and then ship it off somewhere to another planet, for example, so that's another planet. And this is comparable to crypto. Okay, if you're looking at cryptocurrency, his his reasoning you could apply to every commodity out there. So this is why it's faulty reasoning. And the underlying, and this is what I was saying to one of my friends as well, who just doesn't get it. The underlying principle is true. You know what what drives the market? Demand. 
and supply. Okay, if some if people need something or want something and there's only so much of it, the price will go up. Okay, if the underlying technology which a lot of these projects have has real world usage and use case that people need and are using, and there's a limited amount of the cryptocurrency, and that cryptocurrency has some kind of um, key to the underlying technology working, then it, then obviously the price is going to go up relative to how many people need or use that technology on top of the actual speculation of the cryptocurrency asset. So let's compare this to Bitcoin, okay? So, because Bitcoin's the simplest one. So again, he's saying, okay, let's let's just follow on with his comments, okay? And then we'll finish, we'll finish this up, okay? So Paulson made billions of his New York-based investment management firm in 2007 when he bet against US subprime some prime mortgage markets. In contrast to the mortgage market, Paulson says crypto has unlimited downside and too much volatility to make it worth trying to short sell. I, why would you short sell crypto? That doesn't make any sense. That's, that's like, let, let's short sell emerging markets. So that's just, if the thing is you have to understand about Paulson is that he's a short seller. He makes money shorting markets. So so that's how, he, that's how he's made most of his money. That's how he does his bets. So that's what he's, he's biased to, just like I'm biased to uh, a certain style of trading other people might be using you know certain styles of trading we we do we do what we know because that's how we stay con consistent making money so let's quickly go to his comments and then we'll round this out when we looked for the subprime the reason why we shorted the subprime in size was because it was asymmetrical in crypto there's unlimited downside so even though i could be right over the long term in the short term as in the case of bitcoin it went from 5000 to 45000 i'd be wiped out on the short side so it's just too volatile to short so you're saying that it's too volatile to short no you can short it it's not too volatile to short people short bitcoin all the time people short um uh cryptocurrencies all the time i've shorted i've shorted uh, loads of perp contracts on ftx okay he's saying his argument here is i think it's a bit faulty um and yes he could be right in a long time long term the crypto could could uh trend to zero but it would be based on the idea that that all the projects in a cryptocurrency space aren't providing any real world value okay or if we keep it nice and simple we'll just keep stick to bitcoin we'd have to assume that bitcoin isn't providing any real world value okay for his for his statement to be true bitcoin has to be providing no real world value and the thing that people confuse is there's bitcoin the coin the asset the token and then there's bitcoin the network and they are integrated they are different things but they are inextricably uh, related you can't separate the two out okay so there's the underlying technology and then there is the token on top of that which is bitcoin btc okay so i think he has a bad take here because people are already using bitcoin around the world most of bitcoin's usage isn't based in western countries okay and it's out of necessity because a then that they're own nation's currency uh, is more volatile than BTC. Uh, it's hyperinflationary. B, the ability to send money freely without the requirements of having any kind of KYC information. Again, most of the world does not have a bank account, will not ever have a bank account, and, and uh, aren't able to participate in the broader global economy. Okay, keep that in mind. Most of the world doesn't and will never ever have a bank account. Okay. Imagine living your life without a bank account. 
especially with everything going digital, how would you send and receive money? How would you interact with businesses? How would you buy food? You'd need other people to help you. What if those people don't have bank accounts? Okay, we're in a shit situation, okay? What, is, what if everything's just digital and there's, there's, no, there's a cashless society? Okay, you're even more fucked, okay? So it's it's his comments aren't un, aren't inaccurate, but it's just ignoring um, some key things about the underlying technologies that make this space so special. Okay, so um, I mean, we could dive deeper, but I'm just going to call it there at 37 minutes. Um, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you do subscribe and comment below. And if you would like to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify, that'd be really cool. Have a significant, <laughs> significant account amount of my audience over on audio platforms. So um, if you guys are listening, thank you so much for all the support watching thank you for support again do take a look at the youtube channel dropping loads of videos and we're going to be doing update videos to cryptocurrency projects that we've already covered that i've broken out and some that are yet to break out as well so hope you have an amazing week i shall catch you soon wishing you guys all the very best